Welcome everybody. My name is Alexander Greb. I'm working for SAP as Pre-Sales Lead s Strategy and you are pretty awesome because you are listening to the SAP Experts Podcast. Well, today we have a bit special situation for me because I'm the student today. Since we are going to talk about a topic, um, a logistics guy like me should let the other people say the wise things. So what's this all about? We are going to talk about finance. I want to know anything about it. It's changing role and challenges and strategic aspects, um, especially financial transformation and which role do play digital technologies in all of that. And to do exactly that, I have one of the best people here for these kind of questions. His name is Christian Straub. He is head of customer solution advisory finance in Middle and Eastern Europe. He's a trusted advisor and frequent guest in the CFO offices throughout Europe, where he is structuring complex transformation initiatives. I'm running with him the expert sessions each year at the SAP now in Basel, and I'm already working and looking forward to making the event with him again in 2020. So please like, share and subscribe us and welcome Christian Straub here at the SAP Experts Podcast. Welcome, Christian Straub. Hey, Alex. Thank you. Appreciate it. Great nice to, to have here. you here. Nice studio. Yeah, this is um, a meeting room in Waldorf. <laughs> <laughs> um, you are sitting in Zurich. Exactly. Absolutely. But not today. No, absolutely. No, not today. I mean, absolutely. Yeah, I run out of Zurich. Uh, and the, the organization that we're looking at, right, is uh, spread across Middle and Eastern Europe. So we support clients actually in, in different countries. Uh, but exactly, I'm living in a beautiful, beautiful Switzerland. Actually, not Zurich, but, but Basel, yeah. Um, so which are the countries at the moment where you're mostly active? Are there something like regional differences where that finance topic is especially hot? Or is that where you can say no real difference? No, I mean, I mean, obviously, let's say uh, topics around finance, finance transformation um, are a topic for, for all countries, for all industries, for all companies uh, operating in all countries. We see, of course, different maturity, right, and, and how companies act, how finance organizations act. And of course, it's also a bit, bit related to where SAP drives most of its business, where we are kind of kicking off new business uh, or where we are operating on existing business. And I mean, that we see different levels of maturity in the countries, but obviously we're operating in all respective countries in Eastern Europe uh, and also in, in uh, the core of, of Middle and Eastern Europe, which is Germany, Austria and Switzerland. And also important to say, obviously, that we are having local teams that are following up with our local customers and we have a regional team that supports actually across all of those countries and uh, brings the lessons learned from the different countries into other countries, right? So that's how we act and actually that's how we spread, spread the message. Yeah. When you say we have different maturities in different countries, um, do you have the impression that those, um, let's say, countries are catching up? Or is there something like a remaining distance happening? Yeah, exactly. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, the, the business reality is, is, is different when you look into, into uh, companies that operate in different countries. I mean, they're the international companies that operate in a multitude of countries. 
that established their, their, their standards everywhere. But when, uh, when you look into to, um, countries that are driven very strongly by local markets, obviously the respective circumstances in those markets drive heavily what those companies face in terms of business challenges and also uh, with regards to what kind of answers SAP needs to deliver. So it's more a challenge, I think, for us to, to react to different business realities than uh, kind of uh, judging us on, on a maturity of businesses. I think uh, most of the business that we businesses that we see hold them themselves up to very high standards in terms of uh, processes and what they want to achieve. Uh, but obviously, as I mentioned, the business reality is totally different. Um, so, you know, in countries where you have weak currencies, where um, where you have inflation, where you have no no huge reliability in, in, in business interactions with regard to uh, reliability of payments and stuff, I mean, they would want to plan differently how, how to perform their business uh, other than in countries where um, kind of overall circumstances are uh, more stable, right? So that, that drives, I think, also the challenges for SAP and what we need to do to help those those companies. Yeah. So since we want to talk today about the role of the CFO, and um, let's call it the CFO in the year of 2019, what kind of, let's say, challenges does the CFO of 2019 has to cope with? What are the topics that are especially relevant him of today, like in regards, for example, certain aspects compared to the past? And um, what may be the strategic aspects that may become especially relevant for him within the next years? Yeah, I think that's that's a good question. It's an important question. I think also, I mean, especially, I mean, also when we look at how we as SAP do our business sometimes, you know, it, it's not, the CFO is not confronted primarily with tech, technolo uh, technological mm -hmm. uh, challenges, right? So the digital transformation, for example, and all these aspects, that's uh, not his, his main challenge, but it's, it's, it's uh, I mean, effects from a business perspective that are supported through digital transformation are his challenge. And of course, also the digital transformation is an enabler for him to cope with business challenges. So, Uh, we need to be aware that you know, technology is, is not the main challenge. But th what we see, of course, is that that uh, the way industries are doing their business is, is, is changing. We see mm -hmm. a convergence of industries. We see manufacturing companies become software companies, uh, airlines become retailers, and other effects. Uh, so um, we, we can't separate industry by industry that clearly and cleanly anymore, but see a convergence which impacts uh, not only the customer-facing processes, the production processes, the product development process, but also all kind of back office processes right around order to cash, how you uh, charge for services, um, how you do the billing, how you recognize the revenue uh, that you generate. So I think a lot of business effects outside uh, that, of course, are supported by new capabilities around mm -hmm. uh, digitalization impact how the CFO needs to set up his business, right? So looking, therefore, at the end-to-end the -end processes, the back-office processes that he needs to support, that's changing heavily. At the same time, there's also, um, given the capabilities around automation, um, the need for the finance organization to reshape and redefine its purpose, right? I mean, um, with the back-office processes and the capability to have them more and more automated, you know, finance organizations try to shift their focus more into, into the operational business on better steering the business, better supporting the business, which means that they need to better um, understand their business, uh, their core operations. They need to be embedded in those. 
Um, so it's a change of focus of the organization. It's a change of external circumstances and that accompanied by a growing complexity uh, when it comes to regulations. So we see tremendous change or um, complexity coming up out of the indirect tax base. Throughout the last year, we've seen that indirect taxes regulations come in, becoming uh, yeah, uh, stricter and stricter. We see, of course, all these kind of IFRS um, uh, gap uh, changes uh, that impact uh, businesses where they need to uh, yeah, uh, adhere to new standards, uh, which impacts how they uh, control their business, how they um, document their business, and what their business systems need to deliver. So I think the regulatory complexity is, of course, a, a key aspect also that accompanies the external changes and the need to change from an internal uh, finance perspective. From my logistics background, for example, I see, of course, a very, very special influence what we have at the moment compared, like, for example, 10 years ago, that what I may call like times are getting more unstable again now. We do not know what our friends from UK will be doing. We do not know what, for example, other trade conflicts that we at the moment have, um, in which direction they will develop. Um, from logistics sides, for example, you always say in that case, uh, we have to be more predictive. Yeah, We have to act more and less to react because just reacting is very difficult in times like these. I think the same difficulties or the same aspirations uh, you will surely find in the CFO offices. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, at the end of the day, uh, you know, um, finance always receives information from the entire value chain. So mm -hmm. whatever's happening in the value chain, be it on the sales side, be it on the production side, on the product development side, or be it on the procurement side, the end-to-end -end value chain is what defines um, what a CFO is looking into. That mm -hmm. defines the profitability, that defines the efficiency that you have in your processes. So all kind of trends, of course, that you look at in, in getting better predictability of logistical operations, of, of your sales fulfillment, uh, of how you procure stuff, when you should procure stuff, at, at which uh, cost and stuff. All of these aspects, of course, are of high interest for the CFO because at the end of the day, this is the operational data that makes up for the finance numbers. Um, but I think also, I mean, therefore prediction, yes, and, and these new kind of forward-looking predictive capabilities is an absolutely key aspect. But but also important to, to say is that, you know, often it's, it is an ambition, right? Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, the, the quality of your prediction depends heavily on the quality of your underlying processes, mm -hmm. of your master the data, of the cleanliness of all of that, right, and of the foundation that you're running it on. So what we see when we discuss, you know, on, on transforming of how you steer the business, of course, there's the absolute vision of having the business processing is running kind of autonomously of the CFO and having clear predictability of all the figures um, and therefore the, the ability to act in advance on all of these aspects to, to run kind of adva um, uh, mitigations in advance or, you know, to have the business process mitigate itself, right, ideally, mm -hmm. so the system doing it. Um, so that's, of course, the vision, right, the self-driving business, mm -hmm. the self-driving uh, process um, and the ability to predict everything. But but uh, the, the first step or the starting point for all of those businesses is actually to, to review how they run their processes, to review the cleanliness of the data, to review actually also are they able to track the entire value chain in the systems, right, mm -hmm. because if you have disparate and non-connected processes that heavily impacts the quality of your end-to-end -end data that you need to predict end-to-end -end results and business performance. So, you know, there's a lot of dependent factors actually on your quality of prediction. 
that's why we see kind of um, you know, a lot of companies waking up and thinking about, are we running on the right foundation, right? I mean, mm -hmm. what is the structure that I need to have a good prediction? And have a, do I have my process under control? Do I understand my processes and do I understand my value chain? And I think what, what you just said is really, um, really the case for all industries. It's not like um, you may have like one or two industries which are absolutely different situations, but um, these are general things yeah which everybody from each industry has to cope with absolutely absolutely i mean obviously let's say the the uh, the drivers are then pretty specific per industry right that that impact the the respective businesses but but overall i think it's 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 a cross industry reality that um i mean whatever industry you look into uh, the question around data quality data consistency process integration is a leading question, especially when you look at, um, yes, what is the baseline for my prediction, for my uh, forecast, for my planning processes, and for my reporting processes. I mean, you know, we at SAP, right, I mean, we serve a lot of this at different industries, and we come with all this industry expertise, which is key critical, I think, um, and also for finance. So finance being a, uh, you know, a back office process somehow, right, supporting um, kind of the back office processes and the end-to-end -end accounting uh, capabilities it is obviously when you think of, uh, about controlling the business it's it's totally different per industry mm -hmm. of how you would manage and control yeah. your business so so um so so that is important but of course the, the key denominators about uh, let's say what you need to have a stable foundation mm -hmm. for a predicted outcome is is i think common across industries that it's about yeah. data quality it's about processes clean processes standardized processes uh, integrated processes right so uh, concerning since we were talking about uh, the vision um, where we have to go to what would be the transformation steps to there that a cfo should in a let's say best practices way so it's supposed to follow yes absolutely so i mean as i mentioned I mean, the division absolutely is of course kind of autonomous processes mm -hmm. whatever you have in terms of back office processes should be you know non-differentiating should be just running you, you you wouldn't want to take care of that and the, the system would rather track the exceptions and tell you proactively hey what is mm -hmm. happening in the process and when it knows that something is happening the system should ideally you know take action itself right and come up with proposals of what you should change what you can do better or directly mitigate it itself so um, for for the for the back of processes uh, for everything that's decision relevant right that's differentiating therefore i mean you you want to be informed and and you want to have a kind of augmented analytics right you want to interact with the system kind of by voice you want to get the system talking to you bringing up the points where you need to decide on where you really need to change direction in your business. Um, and, and you want to have this kind of interaction with the system where analytics is much more fluid, much more intelligent and much more uh, natural to interact with. So that is where we want to head, head towards. Um, then in terms of how, how to get there, I mean, there's kind of at least two steps, right? Um, and, and I think, you know, no CFO today wants to have a major kind of massive black box investment and then mm -hmm. after a few years end up in, in a new world. So change is obviously a continuous thing, right? And um, therefore, I mean, it, it doesn't need to be two steps. Uh, it could be multiple. And I think important that you take little steps, that you take incremental steps, speedboats next to more um, overarching um, kind of uh, changes uh, or, or heavy changes that you apply. But the kind of the two overall steps are, first of all, you want to establish a foundation that allows you to get a clean uh, data setup, a clean process setup, 
uh, and that equips you with the capability of real-time insight into your business. I mean, real-time insight, you know, has been a buzzword, uh, yeah. unfortunately, for, for quite some time. Uh, but th there's something very real about it and true about it. Maybe it's not real-time insight. Maybe it's insight at the right point of time, right? Because mm -hmm. obviously not everything needs to be in real-time. Uh, but real-time insight for me means really that at whatever point in time where I want to know it, I can know what is relevant in my business processes. Yeah. So I can see what is happening in my in my in my in my um, company in my value chain and why is it happening, right? Mm -hmm. So to have the ability to find the root cause based on the insight that I get in real time or at the appropriate time. Yep. You know, that's kind of the real time insight and the, the work to get there is really laying the foundation of uh, clean process setup, you know, mm -hmm. clean master data uh, and therefore um, connected information. Yeah, so connected information, clean data, uh, connected processes is the first step. And what what you say is, is extremely relevant because um, like having a clean databases or as clean as possible databases is the key in every discipline where we are running. Yeah. May it be finance, may it be logistics, um, but um, that's as suitable as for, for, for your discipline in any discipline where you say, I do not want with aggregates to work with aggregates anymore yeah? because it's not just the aggregate, the problem for my KPIs. That is not really actual, it's not real time, but I do not even have the security that all the some elements of an aggregate are having the same timestamp. And now we have completely different capabilities. And when you have different capabilities and you get a, get a completely different um, level of insight and transparency, you can work differently. Um, but what would be in that case the, let's say, desirable end status for a CFO? Would it be what we know in yeah. our wording mm -hmm. as the, let's say, digital boardroom? So, I mean, yes, so, so from the real-time perspective, which is step one on my transformation plan, you mm -hmm. know, um, the real-time insight based on clean structures and clean data, um, the impact is there, as I mentioned, that you have information at the appropriate point in time that's delivered by you ideally as an exception or you have the insight on the process when you need it. Um, that appropriate information means also that not necessarily, you know, it needs to be in real time for all aspects. We had a very nice interaction with the head of consultation and a major corporation. And he said, you know, why the hell do I need to have consultation in real time when we talk and someone talked about real time consultation mm -hmm. or we as SAP did actually. And I think we made a mistake there, um, to be frank, because, you know, consultation is this is kind of what you do at, at uh, usually it's at period and quarter and yeah. year end where mm -hmm. you get in data from 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 different perspectives uh, and, and and your your sub companies and so on and so forth and you have to do do certain closing processes to, to get a clean consolidated result mm -hmm. um, and and then you see what what your crew performance is uh, so obviously the, 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 by by the definition the the, the real-time uh, consolidation is is never possible because you need to close certain certain processes and tasks at period and then to get the consolidated result but of course, it's it's uh, it's 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 of great benefit if you can get an approximate perspective on where you might be uh, ending up at period end, right? Mm -hmm. So to run close simulation, right, consolidation simulation, to run consolidation faster and to get it uh, at an at the appropriate point in time, therefore, whenever you want it and can can use it, um, if you know how to use the data, obviously, right. Mm -hmm. Um, and and then to be able, as you said, to to then to do a digest and to to drill down into respective detail and see what is actually driving the performance that I'm reporting on. So therefore, I think it's always about at the appropriate point in time, 
and knowing how to use this data that I get then out of the system. This is about the real-time insight. Now, how this is exposed, ideally, yes, in this kind of, a, as we call the digital boardroom, mm -hmm. where all information is then available from all the different sources. In the end, you know, digital boardroom um, is, is, a, is a representation for me uh, for an end-to-end -end business uh, mm -hmm. view, right? So you see the entire value chain from what happens at the customer, at your sales, service, marketing, uh, processes, what happens in your production, right? What happens mm -hmm. uh, in your... Um, in your procurement uh, side of the house, uh, what happens in your back office processes. So uh, that's that's a very nice representation. It's kind of the cherry on the top, I would say. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think most customers that we talk to do know that they have to do some homework yeah, uh, to get there. Yeah. That, that, that's not nothing what you may call, what I would call like tangible innovation. Yeah, um, This is no plug and play. The, your basis has to be right. But um, of course, it's also driven by this, uh, you know, this uh, digital boardroom legend. Um, I think it's, it's not even a legend. It is true when Hasso Plattner said, um, why do I see any PowerPoint slides in my board meetings? We have HANA now. We do not need this. We have the data. Yeah, and um, that was like the first step into the digital boardroom. Absolutely. And, and it's, a, it's a true legend, right? Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely true. And I think, you know, the, the, but the, the key aspect is, and, and that's that's about the step one of the transformation, is that we, we didn't build it uh, on a day, right? Yeah. The boardroom. But exactly. uh, what happened was that we looked into, I mean, our processes, our data, um, because when you report in real time or at an appropriate time, uh, you need to be sure that what you report on mm -hmm. is the right information. Otherwise, you end up again in people building their own truth, right, their own data silo because they don't trust the data. So yeah. trusting uh, the data, trusting the information is is the key prerequisite uh, to have um, trust in your digital boardroom. And that's why it's about building a foundation, building a structure, and then beautiful things such as simulating the close um, at any point in time, drilling down from the cl closing result into the details, um, predicting your your sales forecast, all this stuff can happen then based on this foundation. Mm. Yeah. So, again, in that case, important thing is uh, start with the foundation. Do not go at first or at the first step for the great and sherry stuff, but uh, build a sound foundation. Go to the tangible innovation, and from that on. Yeah. I mean, obviously, that's, that's not a black-white thing, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we do know that, that we need speedboats, right, in yeah. transformation. So you can't say, you know, I'm going to build the foundation for the next year or something yeah, exactly. and do nothing else. So that's why it's absolutely fair and clear that you should have uh, speedboats that you deliver, mm -hmm. such as smart uh, features, you know, smart machine learning, uh, RPA capabilities that you deploy in areas where mm -hmm. you do know that there's a great leverage mm -hmm. in terms of increasing efficiency in processes, for example, so I think these speedboats are absolutely important and critical, and, and we as SAP need to be able to deliver those as well as the customer wants to deliver that for his organization or yeah. wants to consume that. Uh, but the key thing is, and I think that's where uh, it's also our responsibility as SAP, but also as anyone who drives transformation projects, is always that there's a consistency to an overall transformation plan, right? And mm -hmm. a vision where you want to end up. So you need to know as an organization, what do I want to achieve? What do I do it for? What's the end state kind of uh, of my transformation process that I'm starting now? Knowing that, of course, uh, change is a continuous uh, thing, but you need to have a visionary picture, kind of a one slider, yep. uh, where you know this is my process state that I want to end up in. This is my architectural state that I want to end up in. And I think that um, there's a responsibility um, to to make sure that these little speedboats that you do, right, where you um, 
taken a machine learning application and deployed, where you've taken our RPA to automate a process, that this is in line with that vision because yep. otherwise, you know, uh, you're going to have sunk costs and you're going to have investments that, that are not sustainable. Mm -hmm. That's why I think, yeah, setting up a, a, a clear, a clean a vision picture for the future and then executing in steps incrementally fast, showing value uh, very fast, very incrementally uh, and proving the value you know, to end users, always having the end users in, in mind is, is, I think, key critical uh, to be successful. So not, not kind of monolithic in terms of doing all and only delivering at the end, but mm -hmm. uh, comprehensive in terms of the vision and then incremental in terms of the execution. We, we've come now to the point where a question concerning the digital technologies really makes sense. What is the role in the importance for this transformation? Yeah, because you said we need the technology. This is basically the gatekeeper and the door opener. But also, of course, we need the strategy. We need the processes for it. Um, is there something like a leveraging effect in the finance area between those? Yeah, yeah I, mean, ob I mean, obviously, let's say technology is, is, is the great enabler, right, of all the capabilities, all the, uh, yeah, opportunities that we see, right? I mean, everything is technology-driven mm. from an enabling point of view, right? When you think about, um, as for HANA, you know, how we started it, how we started uh, around HANA, you know, it was about in-memory technology, right? It was about a different way how you could process data, how you could access data which uh, then uh, was the enabler for us to look at the processes, right? Mm -hmm. Asking uh, ourselves questions, how could we change business processes based on that foundation? And then, you know, uh, then you see what the key aspect is to look at, right? I mean, obviously, we need technology because it is the ultimate enabler for the change. Mm -hmm. uh, but for us as SAP, it's always the danger, right, that we uh, start to talk too much about the technology Absolutely. and forget about, about the impact. And I mean, mm -hmm. we are a process company. We have... We were the first one to deliver an ERP system to the world. So, um, you know, looking at what is the process impact, what is the process mm -hmm. capability and where could we bring the processes is, is the leading perspective uh, in terms of the vision and it's the leading perspective in terms of the analysis. Mm -hmm. So you need to start analyzing your processes and understanding where am I today, right? What is the weakness in my process and what could be a standardized and optimized process, right? So process standardization, process optimization, process review as a key critical aspect um, in, in terms of then leveraging these technological capabilities, they will bring you to a totally different level. Mm -hmm. The risk is if you, if you start only with the technology and forget the process, you can change without change, right? Yeah, sure. Because you, uh, you implement uh, a new technology, but end users won't recognize it even because the process is the same as it was before. And and it's it's a myth, right? That you can, I mean, reports might be faster, you know, yeah. uh, or or some other aspects, but that's that's incremental yeah. value generation and, and and not really something that you would want to express in a business case. Yeah, absolutely. People are not buying technologies; they're buying use cases and capabilities. Yeah, and we Definitely. always have to remember yeah. that when we're talking about these capabilities and so on and technologies and stuff. What what always comes up is like two words which sound a little bit similar and maybe quite often be confused, which is the universal journal on the one side and central finance on the other side. Do you want to spend some sentences of both and the difference of both and how they can enable the CFO? Yeah, and, um, absolutely. I mean, now we, we touch a bit the meat, let's say, to the bone, right? Mm -hmm. uh, kind of uh, looking a bit how SAP actually uh, enables a change with S4HANA. You mentioned the universal journal, right? 
um, Universal Journal is is kind of an an integrated perspective on your financial data, right? Mm-hmm. So the idea is that um, whatever you may want to look at as a CFO in terms of information to understand how your business is striving, you find this information in the Universal Journal. You don't differentiate anymore into, hey, here's my general ledger with mm-hmm. a balance sheet, with a P&L, there's my sub-ledger with the asset details, with my details on the materials, uh, material valuation. There's this, another you know, detail ledger on, on profitability uh, by, by customer, by product group. So you wanna you wanna overcome that, and with with the HANA capabilities, we introduced this universal journal that gives us the capability to get an end-to-end view now on our business performance and all the driving aspects of our business performance from a finance and controlling perspective. So you can answer all of your finance and controlling questions looking at this integrated information structure that we call universal journal. You know, and that implies much more than just an integrated structure because. Um, we went beyond just looking at actuals there. You can get your planning data in that structure, right? Uh, which means that there's a totally new capability to rapidly compare plan against actuals, do rapid forecasting, latest estimates, but also to, with new capabilities around embedded consolidation processes, get your consolidated result in there, right? Mm-hmm. So you have consolidated versus figures. So what's my, my, my performance on a group level? Uh, versus what's my performance on the entity level versus what's my plan performance on both of those perspectives. And then uh, then, then merging into that universal journal, also predictive uh, information. So as you see your your uh, actuals on what's my, my actual and my current sales performance, you know, you could merge into that the predicted sales performance and what the impact is on your revenue, on your cash flow, on your cost of goods sold by the cost of goods sold split. So, you know, it's a very comprehensive perspective on your business from different dimensions, right? You can look at mm-hmm. it by different business dimensions, by plan, by consolidation, by predicted information. Mm-hmm. So it's a very comprehensive actually kind of steering model. I would refer to it yep. as a steering model because it involves the drivers and the results of your financial result in one integrated structure. And you mentioned central finance, right? I mean, the the key challenge when we talk about this 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 idea, right? It's a great idea, and people love it because it supports this step one of the transformation, which is getting the clean setup before you enter step two, which is this augmented analytics, self-driving mm-hmm. enterprise. So this universal journal greatly supports step one, provides you this integrated perspective, and is the baseline for step two, right? But then, of course, we we see a lot of companies that that run on heterogeneous landscapes, right? Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of different ERP systems. Um, they have very customized ERP systems. Um, they have a lot of non-ICP uh, ERP systems as well. So a lot of kind of circumstances that make it very difficult to uh, to rapidly innovate on that landscape, on that process landscape. So central finance gives you the ability now to set up a universal journal on a central finance financial um, perspective from a central mm-hmm. financial perspective on a group level, for example, getting in real time the information from all of those different entities, these different systems, so have this integrated view on all of your cooperation in a rapid manner, and then being able, based on that integrated setup, also to centralize certain processes. So you can think about, even though I have this heterogeneous mm-hmm. landscape, you know, what are the non-differentiating processes around procured pay, um, around closing, you know, that I want maybe to centralize for the entire group without impacting these other systems that are existing out there, right? So it gives you a capability to innovate rapidly 
for a corporation that's uh, impacted by great complexity and allows you to consume this innovation that mm-hmm. we provide, but also allows you uh, to, to, to cope with um, uh, greater process efficiency uh, as you centralize certain processes that are non-differentiating for the, all the entities that you're running on. And therefore, yeah, building a business case that goes beyond pure analytics and your capabilities of process insight into better process execution and, and, and process efficiencies, shared services. Uh, and that can be a baseline for an entire business uh, transformation then. Last question concerning central finance. Uh, what you said implies that this, would this then make sense for a one system company, which is already more or less central? I mean, that's a very good question. I think it's in the end to, to be evaluated on a case mm-hmm. by case level. M- most cases where we see central finance is obviously really cases where we have kind of more systems and, and mm-hmm. a higher complexity. But, you know, it's always the question is always actually, are you able to change based on your existing setup? And mm-hmm. we do see companies actually, yes, they do only have one uh, ERP system, but that might be customized, uh, you know, like hell. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that might Modified. be very, very complex, more, more complex, uh, exactly uh, in terms of modifications. And there can be a change resistance also, right, uh, with your staff uh, operating with the existing processes. So, so maybe you want to establish uh, such a central finance system as a as a parallel system that you use um, to innovate um, as a group or mm-hmm. as a company whilst keeping your current processes stable. So it's it's an innovation element, mm-hmm. even in these scenarios, and we we do see that with customers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Absolutely. Wonderful. Um, we have now within, when, whenever you look now at the communication of SAP, you get this big X today, of course, in almost every statement and so on. We're talking about experience data. Are we already in a certain status where experience data and finance can work together? What is the status in that, in your opinion? I mean, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, yes. Um, so, when we look at, at what's happening uh, today, right, we're we're entering this this experience uh, economy, and and uh, you know, we we have now all these capabilities uh, to measure customer experience or all kind of experiences that, at the end of the day, really impact our business, and that's I think a great new dimension of steering a business. And I can I kind of see three dimensions, right? The, the one thing is all the facts that you get from logistics, sales, finance. The second aspect, you know, also not to forget is all the aspects around uh, social uh, responsibilities, standards, mm-hmm. um, um, all the topics around uh, protecting uh, the environment, yeah, environmental standards, which is a new also dimensionality of how businesses uh, steer uh, their operations and to what standards they want to manage uh, their operations against. And then there's this imp- completely new perspective of experiences. And, uh, you know, this kind of eye-opening because um, at the end of the day, um, decisions we take as, as persons, uh, but also decisions, decisions companies are taken, are always driven by, by feelings and by experiences. Yeah by emotions, everybody knows that, right? We build a business case, but in the end of the day, it's, it's always even there a gut feeling, you know, yep. that that's drives the decision. And then it's an experience on the on the, on the the personal level uh, with a brand, with a product, you know, that you, um, that you will judge on and that will stick in your mind mm-hmm. uh, for a long time. 
And if you extrapolate that perspective of emotions driving business to the entire world, right, of all the interactions that we have with people, with goods, with brands, uh, I mean, that's a tremendously new perspective on how you could track what people think about you or about your product, about your brand, therefore, mm -hmm. what business they're going to do with you in the future. So I think, yes, uh, that's a completely new perspective, therefore, also for CFOs in terms of building their steering models, because when you think about value-driving value trees today, you know, value-driving trees measure external factors and how they impact uh, financial figures, such as in, in the uh, P&L balance sheet and cash flow mm -hmm. or corporate valuation. Uh, if we take a look at now these capabilities around experience uh, and tracking experiences in the future, you may want to uh, model, you know, experiences as drivers into your value driver trees, understanding mm -hmm. how do experiences impact or will impact uh, your sales uh, in certain product lines. So if, if you see, for example, out there in social media that, that there's um, heavily negative feedback on, on certain product lines that you're deploying, Obviously, you know, you could model a value driver very easily that will predict then, you know, that you have a decline in, in sales in that product in the future, which impacts, you know, certain cost uh, structures you have, which impacts your cash flow, and uh, which may impact your, your valuation in the end. So um, taking this data, um, taking it into the uh, into account when, when kind of planning your business, forecasting it or analyzing your business gives you a completely new perspective on getting better prediction uh, better visibility into the future, but also better understanding as when it comes to to root cause of, of why we are performing performing the way we do perform. So I do think it's a it's a traumatic uh, change in how we steer a business, how we run a business, and how we do control the business. Yeah. Great. Um, looking at the watch, we spend more time than a log logistics guy like me ever thought he would be able to spend on a finance topic. Um, and since your biggest challenge today was probably to formulate your sentences in a way that even I understand it. Uh, I can tell you, you excelled beautifully because uh, I really learned a lot. So my, my last question for today to do would be, since you're doing very many interesting things, where can people follow you? I mean, uh, they can follow me by, by contacting me directly. <laughs> <laughs> Not to forget that personal interaction is a key thing. Otherwise, no. obviously on, on, on LinkedIn, um, yeah, feel free to contact me there. You're going to find me there. Uh, or contact uh, Alex Cape, who does a great job in, in running these type of, of sessions. And, uh, Thank you very much. Thought leadership uh, around S4HANA in general. So, um, yes, uh, feel free to reach out uh, to Alex, to myself, uh, and let's continue the discussion. Those are great. It's been a pleasure. Words. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.